0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Rowdy Buddhist. Um, Sorry that I haven't been able to make a podcast in a little while. I've been doing some other things, uh, and hopefully you've been able to participate in some of them. Today, I wanted to make a podcast um, that I think is very important to state, and the title I made, Is Your Buddhist Practice All in Your Head? Question. So... The reason why I'm making this particular statement or particular question uh, to bring it up to people is because I see it, and again, this is um, my experience. And again, as being a teacher of Buddhism, the most important thing is causing beings to become awakened. That means free. And uh, that means that can only be done, of course, through the Buddhist teachings. It's not that I have any uh, special ability or magic or any of that; uh, those things to assist people. Uh, what I do have, though, is uh, the amount of time that I've been on the Buddhist path. I've dedicated my uh, life as deeply as possible to the practice and the path of the Buddha. And so therefore I feel that uh, as a practitioner, as a leader, as a teacher of the Dharma, I feel it my responsibility to help uh, guide people uh, beyond some of the pitfalls that I myself, both as a modern person and as a Westerner, have discovered or seen on the path. The reason why is that in the Lotus Sutra, chapter 16, Jigage, at the end it states that the purpose, the one purpose of the Buddha to come into this world and to teach enlightenment is that he wishes all sentient beings to attain enlightenment quickly and efficiently. So Buddhism just doesn't exist for Buddhism, for the, the organization of Buddhism or the religion of Buddhism. It has one simple purpose and one simple direction that is particularly laid out uh, in Chapter 16 of the Lotus Sutra. That's why that particular part of the sutra is considered in Nichiren Buddhism the most essential section because it teaches us the lifespan of the Buddha as being eternal. That means always here, even though the Buddha passed away 2,500 years ago. His essence, the teaching, is still available through the essence of the Lotus Sutra. And again, I didn't say teaching because the Lotus Sutra can be... uh, Some people have stated that the Lotus Sutra is uh, more of an essence than a teaching. If you look at other teachings such as the Wisdom Sutras, etc., they have very specific teachings that they wish to pass on. But the Lotus Sutra can be extremely frustrating for people, uh, and that was one of the issues that I experienced when I first read it, It didn't give me, uh, as I thought, direction directly. Uh, Of course, as I state with my thinking mind, uh, that is where I got uh, befuddled or or kind of caught up. Essence was so much more difficult to grasp than someone just telling me what I needed to do. And, And this again goes back to the title, Is Buddhist Practice All in Your Head? And I think that that's the, is the extremely important aspect of the Lotus Sutra and that it breaks this attachment uh, that people have. And when I say attachment, it doesn't mean attachment, all attachments are bad because even they were saying attachment to Buddhism, we have a uh, we may be attached to certain things. But what I mean is that we have a false uh, sense of the teaching. So the attachment is all on our end. And that's why the Lotus Sutra is essential in breaking that false attachment, that ignorant attachment, that unhealthy attachment. And the Buddha shares with us, and I I believe that the Lotus Sutra is the universal way of learning. What does that mean? The universal way of learning from through my uh, study and practice of Buddhism. I see, like for instance, as I stated in, in previous podcasts, People look at, in the modern times, they call it bukyo in Japan, which means the teaching of the Buddha. That also means a book. That means it's, a, it's contained in a book or in some particular reference. But originally it was called the butsudo, which is the path of the Buddha. There are very major differences um, in the characters of both of these. One is, the kyo is a based basically like a sutra, like a book that's bound with thread, and the Do is a path or Michi, a road that someone follows or walks. When I say the universal way of learning, that means that all beings are able to inculcate or realize this teaching naturally. Because we tend to, and this happens, I teach martial arts, and it's interesting that even very coordinated people, when you ask them to do something because we're using our brain with our body, the disconnectedness or the, how do you say, the lapse in time can be very long. Of course, once we realize directions, we get used to a particular way or a particular person giving us directions, it can, of course, bring that time down. But if I say, please put your left hand forward, left foot, almost 100% of the time, people put the exact opposite. It's as if our mind can't hold on to the concept and and we mirror it in the opposite way. And so as I studied Buddhism, my other question that came up, because usually Buddhism and people who are attracted to Buddhism love information. So they pride themselves on how many sutras they have read, how many commentaries they have read, uh, you know, how much information that they know about the Buddha, about Buddhism. Uh, this they almost take as a kind of superiority. And this is the main concept of learning in, in modern times. That's why Bukkyo has become the, the book of the Buddha, the, the kind of uh, educational system of the Buddha rather than the path. And that came up with one of my original questions that, how about people who had learning disabilities or had emotional disabilities, etc. Were they able to learn Buddhism? If Buddhism was simply information that we would study in a book and then be able to understand and comprehend Buddhism, that would, of course, leave a large amount of people out. And even though uh, you may think that you're quite literate or quite savvy and quite, um, uh, how do you say, uh, intuitive and uh, mentally flexible and and intelligent and all of that, it doesn't seem to work with Buddhism. So one of the great pitfalls that I see people is that they believe that they, through having information, having read the sutra, being able to quote the sutra, gives them power in a way that they can uh, tell people that they're right or that they're wrong. Uh, You'll see it all over, especially in Nichiren Buddhism. Uh, some people very much pride themselves on having long uh, conversations concerning Buddhism and about their beliefs and what they believe Nietzsche and said, and of course using Nietzsche and letters and writings and instructions to push their agenda. But my big question always always is and still was that you know they haven't attained enlightenment. So again, this is just another attachment that we have, that we use information to think that it makes us in some way closer to the Buddha uh, because we have memorized sutras, etc. It's a famous story, of course, many of you are maybe familiar with, that, you know, the uh, Buddha's cousin, Ananda, was uh, quite uh, a genius. He had a, uh, what do they call the a photocopy mind, so he could be able to uh, remember everything that the Buddha said and be able to clearly and uh, definitely uh, repeat it verbatim. However, there was a, uh, they call it the, the dust-the-sweeper bodhisattva, the broom bodhisattva, where there was a person who, by all counts, seems like they had some kind of, uh, abil- uh, how do you say, challenge, and they couldn't read sutras. Uh, maybe even they were challenged by not having, uh, being able to uh, read or write, right? And the Buddha taught them how to clean. Now, most of us, if somebody said that to us, and that's why that's usually the first thing we learn in Buddhism, we would say, "No, no, no! I'm not here to clean. I'm here to learn." And I remember uh, when I was a monk, I had invited a really huge and uh, quite prestigious. Meditation group from Buffalo, and they have their own building, and they're quite long-term, well-known meditation and insight group. And when they came to the temple, my sifu at that time, my Chinese uh, Buddhist teacher, Tiantai Buddhism, stated, we're going to clean the temple. And I remember the head of the group stated, we did not come here to clean. We came here to have a lecture by the master. And I had realized in that moment uh, that they had missed the true lecture, the true teaching of, the, of Sifu, because they were just interested in gaining information. So, in this universal way of learning, we have to understand what is the vow of the Bodhisattva. The vow of the Bodhisattva is that who, in their daily life, devotes their entire uh, mind, entire body, entire spirit, even at the cost of one's life, to one's vow. That vow is the vow that we see in um, Chapter 16, the vow to save all sentient beings. Even in Japan, in modern times, uh, everything is uh, based on thinking. So after the Meiji era, which would be the 1870s, everything, even in the Buddhist traditions, were changed. Buddhism at that time was you went and you studied with your Buddhist teacher together. He, ta- he taught you both equally sutras as well as practices so that you could become uh, a practitioner and study and practice on your own. Uh, and then, of course, uh, continue the relationship and the, the challenging of the teacher, etc. But after that, in the modern times, because they took on a Western model, uh, even Buddhism became a university-based uh organization. So now, in Japan, you will see pretty much all the Buddhist teachers that you met have a, perhaps a master's or doctorate in Buddhism. And that's why it's really interesting when people share books with me from uh, people who are scholars of Buddhism. Uh, Scholars of Buddhism, uh, they have many interesting aspects to their books and to their commentary, etc., But it's interesting that people look to them to find the answer. And I believe this is, again, that kind of whirlpool that we're stuck in of thinking. That we believe we're going to think ourselves out of suffering and that Buddhism is something that we think through to understand. But in the ancient times, as we could see, they cultivated internally some people would say emotion Uh, i would say emotional maturity so people rather than thinking about something would understand what was taught both in the community within the uh, system that they grew up in that's why if you look at uh, japan most of the things you see in japan are based on buddhism uh, because people inculcated in their daily lives, which allowed them to emotionally express the path of the Buddha, such as sleeping on the floor, uh, such as itadakimasu, receiving food, etc. There are so many aspects, and I just keep finding them more and more. But that they became emotionally mature, which as I see these days, many Buddhists are uh, information or thinking or, how do you say, philosophically, Quite advanced because we have so much information. If you people don't understand that these sutras, at one time a sutra was considered gold that people had to cross miles and years and mountains and that to get to go to India and bring them back, uh, go from Japan to China, Korea to Japan for a single sutra, but now we have all of them available and. This is the idea of the three jewels. You have the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha. The Buddha is represented by one's teacher. Because a teacher should have a practical experience of Buddhism. Therefore, becoming emotionally mature within the practice. Therefore, uh, the immature student who will always rely on their most basic, how do you say, most uh, default type Uh, characteristic, which for modern people, I believe, the default for us is thinking. We always try to think ourselves out of everything. That's why we can be considered very shallow and uh, uh, non-emotional. We seem very cold compared to when we visit some, perhaps, other cultures. We may think they're very uh, colorful and very rich in emotion. Because they haven't yet regulated all of themselves due to opportunity or whatever to just thinking about everything. I think thinking is kind of a wealthy person's problem. And I'm not thinking about being, uh, you know, uh, common sense. No, no. I believe even common sense, the true way of common sense, comes from an emotional uh, basis that we call Buddha nature. That is a kind of intuition that we mature and manifest. It's interesting. When I what I tried to share with others, when I met Skomoto Sensei, he did that traditional training with me. I mean I learned that in the monastery, but also the reading sutras and that was a very essential part. And um, but yet I believe it was still based on emotion. But of course I was attached to my way of Uh, how do you say approaching Buddhism which was a very modern western way of thinking read more books get more information but that actually Shukamoto Sensei taught me by emotion first cleaning practicing supporting others this is the vow of the Bodhisattva practice and vow we see that in the four great vows but thinking is kind of shallow it's considered shallow Um, that's why you may have thought a lot about Buddhism but maybe you haven't made any progress you may be frustrated going I haven't made any progress or you may think you have progressed but actually uh, still the same immature character Hmm? that's interesting because you may not have uh, understood that aspect That is why people who, I have a disciple before that said, I got all the information I need, now let me teach. But unfortunately, uh, that is a lack of maturity, because it is not what you think you understand, but what you have experienced. Thinking is very shallow, they say, very short-sighted, because even... Ourselves, we can't see into the future one, two or three years. We may think of an outcome how we want it to be but we always have to adjust and that never comes out exactly as it is because we can't even fathom within our minds uh, the idea of time, about change, all of those aspects of Buddhism. Even one hour from now we can't really uh, imagine 100% what will happen. We can guess through thinking. But this intuition that we develop is through Buddha Nature. That's why I teach uh, Gyo uh, and I use the mountain and nature of water and sky and everything to teach us the basic concept of being a human being. Because most people approach uh, Buddhism they haven't even understood what it means to be a human being. Because even when we think of human being we think of humanity. Humanity is based on compassion empathy then we grow that compassion to not just ourselves or people who are like us we grow up that compassion to all beings including non sentient beings but that that was the big question for me how to quickly cause people to have this experience and so i give this to you as a question that you can ask yourself That is why when most people talk to me about Buddhism, I get many insights from people, questions from people. Long questions. But actually, I cannot give a good answer. Because important is to come and train together. Even my answer will not be enough. Therefore, as a teacher, we support and allow experiential understanding to to cause a maturity of emotional nature growing intuition in, uh, in Kyoji we have a joke we call it spidey sense but we're, we're referring to Buddha sense Buddha mind and in the So Sousho Nichiren Shon said without learning and practicing there is no Buddhism now when he said learning learning doesn't mean information Learning means having practice that then when we are given information, we are able to inculcate it properly, not just hoard it over others. Not just look at it, because if you must have lots of information of Buddhism, I'm sure you must think other people are stupid and you are good. You understand Buddhism exactly. Well, That's uh, first means you cannot practice Buddhism because you are not properly learning and practicing. Because learning doesn't just mean study. Sometimes too much information is worse than just the same terrible as not enough. However, information is power. If it's not properly matched with emotional maturity, which is found in... Uh, austere practice and direction of a teacher then for sure you will abuse people with Buddhism and I think and I feel that uh, what people put themselves up as being very compassionate by stating their righteousness Uh, it's very childish very simplistic and actually immature that is not Buddhism Because every person has to find their Bodhisattva vow inculcated into their life. So if you feel, why is my Buddhism not progressing? Why do I still suffer? You may be lacking in maturity. You may be lacking in the nutrition of your Buddha nature. That's the essential part. You, go, you can you can eat as much as you want. I think of it as the person who eats themselves to death. Obsession about eating, so therefore they see a buffet, eat as much as they want, make themselves sick. Same, thinking. If you practice Buddhism, this is not to say thinking is bad. That is not. I'm not anti-thinking uh, person, but I'm saying in Buddhism, uh, thinking is uh, very uh, slow and uh, very inefficient for practice of Buddhism because it's very shallow and small-minded. We in Buddhism grow the bigger mind, that is the Buddha nature, beyond all concepts of self and other, beyond all of our hindrances, to allow us to come to a correct maturity. Wouldn't you like to be mature? Wouldn't you like to stop pretending? This is very important because life is short. You can, you can stop going the wrong way and grow yourself the proper way. This is what the Buddha's wish and purpose is. So I hope all of you uh, have understood my uh, sentiment in this question. Please ask yourself, is your Buddhist practice all in your head? If it is, don't be upset. That is the usual way we all, especially modern people, deal with things. How we deal with life. But make a change. Make a change. Begin the path of the Buddha. Begin the experiential understanding of the Buddha experience with your mind and body. Thank you very much. Namu Myoho